return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Um, Let's just put it together. We have Deb Kolsbeck who has a great word for us tonight. So let's welcome her as she comes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Randon. Praise be to Jesus. Goodness, we got people spread out all over. Great to have you. Great to have you. Topic tonight, to be the flourishing tree. So actually, I want to kind of start out by just reminding you how awesome our God is. We're going to open to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 4 through 7. That's the plan, right, Jennifer? Okay, here's the King James. According as he, our Father, our glorious God, has chosen us. I mean, that is amazing. Hopefully you stop periodically when you're reading and let it soak in. You're chosen before the foundation of the world. I mean, how many people... What am I doing? It's amazing. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been born. They're still going to be born. But he saw you and he selected you. That you should be holy. I mean, it's it's enough that he chose you. I'm going to try to get that one to be mine. But he already, not only intentionality, but he had a plan and a predestination. Look at this in verse 5. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having predestinated, that's just a big word that means intentionally planned. That we would be adopted as his children by Jesus Christ to himself. He wanted us to be his sons and his daughters according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. All about that favor, that grace that he's shown us, wherein he hath made us. And here's this amazing phrase I've talked to you before about accepted in the beloved. In the Greek, that little phrase accepted in the beloved is the identical word that Gabriel, they, the Gabriel from heaven, Used talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. King James says, Hail, thou highly favored one. In other words, greetings, you who are highly favored. I mean, you need to look yourself in the mirror tonight, maybe, tomorrow. As far as God's concerned, you are highly favored. Highly favored. Then it goes on. I mean, it's just like gift heaped upon gift upon gift upon gift that we're all getting in Jesus. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Another giant study. That means totally rescued, completely delivered from sin and from hell, from death itself. 
Your heart might stop, but you're not going to be in death ever. You'll be stepping right into the new realm of glory. It all happens because of the blood of Jesus that was delivered on the altar for heaven once and for all, the Bible says. The forgiveness of sins, all according to the riches of his glory. Let's peek at it from the Passion Translation. I don't know about you. Does anybody read the Passion like for your Bible reading for the day? Oh my goodness, it's just changed my life. I love different translations anyway. I just, I, I get concerned that it might get familiar to me. I don't ever want the Word of God to get familiar. I want it to stay fresh and alive. All right, here's what it says. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Now, if you were here for the women's conference, you know what I'm talking about. The heavenly realm. That's already been lavished. Like, he didn't just piece it out like, okay, well, here's enough grace to get you by for a couple years. No, it's always lavishly handed out. As a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because this is how he sees you, friend, wrapped in Christ. I mean, how else do we pray, right? We don't ever come in our own righteousness. We don't always come like, okay, I need this. Take care of this. Oh my goodness, we're always coming in Christ because he did all of this for us. Wrapped in Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Verse 4. And he chose us to be his very own. Look how he did it. Joining us to himself. Like he could have had another plan. You know that, right? He could have just said, okay, well, you can tag along with me. No, he wants us joined. Intimately joined. Before he laid the foundation of the world, of the universe. And because of his great love, he ordained, established, predestinated, intentionally planned. So that we would be seen not just holy. I mean, I think we get used to that word too. Like, oh yeah, holy. We sing all these holy songs and we forget to think. What does that mean? Look at this phrase here. That we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. So many times we to Christ and we still think, well, okay, I'm sure God still has this list over here. I know he's forgotten it, sort of, but there's still that long list. No, friends, he sees us with unstained innocence because we're wrapped in Christ Jesus. A couple more verses, right? For it was always, always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his children, not just Children, his delightful children. He takes great delight in you through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love, that cascades, and it doesn't even say that might cascade if you're good today. No, it's cascading over us all the time. And that that would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus. He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we're now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. I mean, we could stop right here tonight, right? I mean, this is just fantastic. 
We have this glorious Jesus, this amazing Father with all this intentionality. And not only did he have intention, but he followed through on his plan and he did it. It's done. Praise God. Now, if that wasn't enough, he gifted us with his word. Randon mentioned the, the power of his word to, to cast mountains into the sea. Words that can frame our world. Words that are alive and powerful. Words that are God-breathed, oozing with love, releasing life. Oh my goodness. Words that will change the atmosphere. Okay, you're still not particularly amazed? Consider the Spirit of God. I mean, the very light of the world inside of us, friends. The life giver who dispenses his life into our spirits and in fact quickens our mortal bodies, according to Romans 8. We have our own personal counselor, our own personal advocate, our own divine helper. We have access to the very wisdom and the counsel of God Almighty. Now, as mighty and as able and as strong and faithful that our God is, as powerful as his word is to release life, as powerful as his spirit is to move on our behalf, you've all seen it. You've all experienced it. It is still completely possible, friends, for any one of us called by his name to live a completely defeated life? It's possible. With all this power that heaven has released to us, all this overcoming grace, this cascading love, it's still possible to be depressed, to be angry, to be jealous. It's still possible to be bitter, to be fretful, to be anxious. It's still possible. Now, there is no way that any one of us can stand before this glorious Jesus we've talked about, this Father with such intentionality and follow-through. None of us can look him in the eye someday and say, it's your fault. I was missing da-da-da-da-da. I was lacking. It was that one person. It was that one lousy situation, that really lousy break. None of us can have anything like that to say to God. Not at all, friends, because God has not left us without advantage. I just listed at least 25 of them, right? We have everything we need to flourish. Remember the title of my message? To be the flourishing tree. Now, I want to give you this illustration that Bill Johnson, I don't know if you've ever listened to him, he gave this wonderful illustration at the end of one of his sermons, but I'm going to give it to you at the beginning because I was so moved by it. So, have any of you been in California? Anybody ever been through a drought? Okay, so he was telling this story about, if you've been in California, but just recently, right? Where, are they still having a drought? Okay, so I think the drought was a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure it went on for about three or four years. 
Anyway, he was telling about, um, apparently he lives in the country, and he was going for this walk, but I guess I still have to set up the scenario for you a little bit. So we don't really know what it's like, but imagine it's so dry that they put all these limitations on these people, like only one load of laundry a week. You are not, nobody watered the grass, like nobody. Maybe one or two showers a week. Lots of limitations put on the people. So everybody is super duper duper aware it's dry. There could be a fire any moment. It's dry. Don't use any extra water. Okay, so you got the scenario? All right, so pretend now you're walking down a road in the country and you see a couple great big lush flourishing trees. And what if? I mean, just consider you looked at this tree and you said, you selfish, egotistical tree. Who do you think you are? What are you doing? Don't you know there's a drought? How do you, how do you get away with this? I mean, you're sending your roots down to the subterranean streams of water underground. It's a known fact, friends, that trees like that drink 40 to 50 gallons of water a day. So, yeah, so you'd say to this tree, maybe. Well, I mean, most of us would not even think like that, let alone talk about it, but that's his story here. You selfish, egotistical tree! You're drinking all this water! Don't you know there's a drought? I mean, like I said, nobody would really talk like that or think about that. But on the spiritual side, friends, it takes a wee bit of selfishness. Is that the right word? Sanctified selfishness? If we want to be the saint, the flourishing tree. I mean, let's face it, there's already a, a pervasive darkness on the earth. There's already a hopelessness that's taken hold of people. I mean, it's really easy to get sucked into the the disappointment, the sadness, the darkness, the evil. I mean, we do have an enemy. He's relentless. And our natural mind, our entire society, already leans heavily towards victimhood and anxiety. And the world's constantly pressuring you. Think like we think. Feel like we feel. Act like we act. And then what do we do with the trouble? Come on, every one of us are facing challenges, obstacles, some troubles, some problems. What do we do? I mean, it'd be very easy to get defeated. It'd be very easy to get hopeless, become fearful. But I want to dare you tonight, friends, to be who God says you are. The triumphant, the victorious, the prisoner of hope, Jeremiah called himself. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This very able and mighty God that we read about has set it up for us to win. He's already handed us the victory. We have a Savior who not only purchased our salvation, rescued us from all sin, but joined us to himself. I mean, there is no religion in the world, friends that offers intimate union with the Lord of glory himself. No other religion in the world 
has a songbook, except Christianity. Do we even sing? Only Christianity has a book where the words are alive. They release spirit and they release life. Only those in Christ have the spirit of the living God on the inside, directing, counseling, teaching, and empowering. But again, are we engaging? Are we being the selfish tree? The flourishing, the the thriving tree who sends its roots down to the subterranean streams of living water. I mean, you know the Bible does call us, I think I gave you that scripture, trees of righteousness, Isaiah chapter 61. Am I in the right chapter? If you look a little way on the bottom, this is God's intention that we would be called trees of righteousness. If you turn to Psalm chapter 1, the whole comparison is between the righteous man who's like, and I think Passion Bible even calls it. Did I give you Passion? Anyway, the big comparison is between being a tree and being the chaff. Just blown away. Here's God's description from the Passion. He will be standing firm like a what kind of a tree? A flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted, and look at this, by the brooks of bliss. Oh my goodness. The brooks of bliss bearing fruit in every season, never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Now, a couple things. First of all, that tree, like in California even, Did he start sending his roots down right when the drought started? No. It was a habit. It was a way of life. I think we all know this stuff, but come on. Somehow we think, well, okay, when it really gets bad, (laughs) I'll get serious about this. I'll get my roots down a little deeper. And I want to touch on this phrase, the brooks of bliss. I don't know if I gave you that scripture, but last week the Lord showed me in Psalm 36, verse 7 and 8, it's talking about um, eating of the fatness of his house and of the rivers of pleasure, King James calls it. I think it's NIV that actually uses the phrase rivers of delight. Come on, do we know what we have access to? Rivers of delight. Friends, really that's God's intention for every one of us to get our roots down. I mean, we've got to dig some wells. I, I know I had it in my notes like page 11 and I'm not going to get there tonight, so I'll just give it to you now. There's a phrase in Isaiah that says the way we draw water from the wells of salvation is with joy. Did you know that? The bucket that you use To access all that water is called joy, 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 joy. (coughs) So anyway, tonight for my next uh, 13, 14 minutes, I wanted to talk about a few ideas the Lord gave me on how to be that flourishing tree. Because it does take a little selfishness, is that the right word? Because you have to do it yourself. Number one thing, it's our task, friends, to renew our minds. I mean, if you're a kid, we got a kid. 
Sorta. How old are you? Eighteen. But you're so lucky right now because you got your mom and dad. I mean, I bet they're working at renewing your mind. Giving you a few hints on how to think. But most of us in here are kind of on our own. If we don't do something about renewing our mind with the word of God, we're not going to be thinking right. It's our job. The command in Romans chapter 12 is be ye transformed. It's a command. By renewing your minds. <clears throat> I think we all know our spirit man has been dramatically changed the second we said yes to Jesus. The very kingdom of God took up residence in us. But our minds, unless they're renewed, unless they're metamorphosized by the word of God and the living spirit of Jesus, our thoughts will continually default to the dark, to the negative, to the fearful. So, this new wine, the glory of Christ, has to be put into new wineskins, which is new thinking. If we want to be like Jesus, we got to think like Jesus. If we want to think like Jesus, we got to believe like Jesus. And it's up to us, friends. Nobody's going to ever force you. I mean, God's never going to say, listen up, listen up, i got something you have to know. No, he's not going to knock you unconscious and download into you what you got to know. It's not going to happen. It's up to us. He wants our roots going down into his truth and into his love. Ephesians 3.17, Paul puts it in this prayer, actually. And the ending of this prayer is that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, those roots of ours, they have to be grounded and deeply hooked into, anchored into the love of God. And that's my second point. If we want to be the tree that flourishes, even in the drought, we've got to, here's 1 John 4, 16, know and believe the love the Father has towards us. And this is from the Amplified. The phrase I gave you is from the King James, that we might know and believe. Here's the Amplified. May we know understand, recognize, and be conscious of. Now, I want to just stop for a second and talk about this. At any given moment, friend, if you're not conscious of, aware of the Father's love, you're distracted. Okay, let's go on. It says, be conscious of by observation and by experience and believe. Adhere to, put faith in, rely on the love God cherishes for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, if at any given moment you are more aware of somebody's rejection of you, somebody's criticism of you, some offending word that was spoken an hour ago, four years ago, If you're more aware of what somebody else is wearing, what somebody else's house looks like, I mean, anything that you're more aware of than you are of the love of the Father, then we're not quite at the place we want to be yet, friends. Because I'll tell you what. I have it somewhere here. But anyway, what's coming up in my spirit is 
if we don't trust the love of God, I mean, that's what this is all about, to get us to the point of trust. Because if we're still not sure God's going to take care of us, if we're not still not sure if he's going to come through for us, then we're not rooted in the love of God yet. And that's really where we want to get to. This is our task, friends. Again, you can stand before the Father someday and say, well, it was that husband of mine. He didn't really love me very much. Not true in my case. You can't say I had this mother that was always too busy for me. You cannot blame anyone, friend, because look what you got. Words of love, a spirit that is oozing with love. We just have to get into his presence and get ourselves inundated, bathed with. Let that love cascade over you. That's our job, friend. You can't blame anybody else. All you got to do is just sit there and receive the love of the Father. And it does take some intentionality. I mean, we can say all day long, I'm too busy. I'm sorry, I'm just too busy. Well, fine, but then your roots aren't going to be down deep into those living streams of water. Third point, if we want to be that flourishing tree, we've got to know what's been freely given to us. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. I mean, we're not going to pursue what we don't know what we have, right? We have received, says the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. I mean, that's really why God gave us his word and his Spirit, is so that we would know. Look, it's what it says. The Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He wants us to know, friends. Hallelujah. Now, we're going to head over to Ephesians chapter 118. This is one of, I thought there was a special name for it, um, these Pauline prayers. This is one of them in Ephesians chapter 1. We went to Minneapolis a couple weeks ago, months, I lose track of time, and we heard um, Mac Hammond's son preach who went to Rhema Bible Institute. And what is it, a year program, two years, three Two years, straight through, like 12 months, 12 months. There's a break. <laughs> okay, okay. So anyway, he was explaining, which I never knew before. I guess if I were to talk to you more about it. Or you didn't get to go, did you? Okay, right. Okay. Um, he was explaining that day one at Rama. I mean, you know what that is. We're talking about Kenneth Hagin's big school of faith. Big spiritual leaders go get their training there. So this guy was explaining that day one at Rama Bible Institute, what they do is they show them these prayers of Paul. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Philippians, I think it's chapter 1, and Colossians chapter 3. And they say, you read these, you memorize these, you pray these. Your life will be changed. That's how they start. Now look it. You don't even have to pay the money. You could at least get in on it. A big part just doing this. Read it daily. Memorize it. At least little phrases, okay? Because here's one of them. Oh, and then I have to give you my intro. Okay, so pretend you're Paul. That's a biggie, I know. This giant of faith, right? So pretend somebody asks you, write a prayer, please, that's going to 
affect people 2,000 years from now. Now, don't get on sidetrack thinking, well, nobody's going to be around in 2,000 years. But just at least imagine with me, okay? What if you were asked to write a prayer that would affect people 2,000 years later? What would you pray? Most of us, I think, would say something like, rock their world, Lord. Wake them up. Revive them. Change and break into their world. Am I close to your thinking? But I want you to see what Paul prays. Because he's on a whole different track. He is essentially praying, Lord, open their eyes. Open their eyes to what they already have. Look at this. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, flooded with light, illuminated, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It's actually Pastor Kevin that opened my eyes to this last little phrase. It was the last time he preached here. He used the phrase, in the saints. And I thought, what in the world? I've never seen that before. That's where it is, friends. The whole inheritance, the whole package, it's already deposited in our spirits. It's already there, and God wants us to know it. All right, got it? All right, point number four. This will probably be the last one. Know how to say thank you. Now, I know I've preached on this topic many times, but it just doesn't get old. We have to be grateful. We have to express thanksgiving. And no one else can do that for you. I mean, I could give you 4,000 different reasons, but I'll settle for just maybe three or four tonight. Reasons why we want to be grateful and thankful. Number one, it's key to stay in faith and bring down strongholds. It will actually take down strongholds. Were you able to find Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Very famous scripture. A lot of you already have this memorized. Be anxious for nothing. That's actually a command. Jesus put it like this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Just don't let it happen. It can maybe, there's always going to be attacks in your mind, but don't let it into your heart. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Here's the two magic words, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. If I mean, we can make our requests, make our requests, make our requests, but if we don't add the thanksgiving, the praise, the gratefulness, we can't really expect that peace that passes understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5, here's the number one verse in regards to spiritual warfare in the entire scripture. We demolish the arguments, the pretensions, all that start to set themselves up against the knowledge of God here in our head. And what do we do? We take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. If you're tempted to worry, I mean, every one of us are. The enemy is relentless. And guys, he always comes in the first person. Like he's going to come like this. I'm so worried. 
She's not going to come in a red suit and a fork and, I'm Satan, I'm Satan, listen here. No, he's going to come in the first person and you're going to hear stuff like, I'm worried. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I'm anxious. He's going to put the words in your head and then you've got to, no, I'm taking that captive. I'm not thinking like that. I just praise you, Jesus, my every need is met. I thank you, Father, that my body is healed. I thank you, Lord, that you're working in my families, that person that I've been praying for. Hallelujah. Thank you, friends, is actually a weapon with divine power to demolish strongholds, strongholds of worry, strongholds of lack, strongholds of fear, strongholds of hopelessness. And it's a gateway into joy. It's a gateway, period. Psalm 100, verse 4, you all know this. You've sung it. Enter into his gates with... Now, what's a gate? It's a doorway. It's a passageway into another season, into another dimension. And I don't know if you're feeling stuck ever. Stuck financially, stuck emotionally, stuck relationally. Stuck physically, I dare you to dramatically increase your thank yous. It's a gateway into the land of delight. And I already read to you a little bit about the fatness of the house of the Lord. The drinking from the river of delight. But friends, we've got to learn how to delight in our Jesus. How to celebrate how good he is. And I guess I'll just skip a couple of these other things. But, I mean, think about Paul in the dungeon. And it wasn't the pretty little prison cells that we have nowadays. We're talking about dirty, dark, stinky. And yet he dared to write, rejoice. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. How in the world did he get to that place? Because he practiced it. It's the key time when you don't feel like it that you do it, friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, I got a couple declarations for you. You ready? I am a tree of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. My roots go down deep into his love and into his truth. I flourish, I thrive, I eat the fatness of his house, I drink from the rivers of delight. Hallelujah. I stand in Christ far above every issue, every obstacle, every challenge. I stand triumphant. In Christ. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you for how amazing you are. For the plan you've had from the beginning. For us to be intimately joined to you. Oh, Father, right now I just pray that you'd come upon each one in this room. Under the sound of my voice. And just love on them. And help us to just receive it. Take it in. Come on, take it in right now. Take in the love of Jesus, the love of the Father. 
Get a picture of that unstained innocence. That's how he sees you. The righteousness of God in Christ. Victorious in Christ. Jesus stepped out of that grave victorious. And you are in him. Father, let your blessing be rich. The love cascading over these people. Such special, rich, loved people, Lord. Thank you. Help us to walk in your love and may our roots go down deeper and deeper and deeper and help us to be that selfish tree, Lord, that drinks from the river of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Hey, have a wonderful week. I'm here to pray with anybody that wants some prayer. Blessings on every one of you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.